Are you on the run from bears with extreme religious indoor socio-political views? Well, take shelter with the Lollygaggers Podcast. In this episode, Justin praises Wolverine the Long Night, while Jeff puzzles out how to murder cartoonish camp counselors. Both Lollygaggers then break down Super Troopers 2 and end the night with the Gentleman's Challenge. All right, so welcome to episode number five of the Lollygaggers podcast. Uh, it's going to be a show about comics and games and film and TV and all sorts of geek stuff. I am one of your hosts. I'm Jeff. I'm your co-host, Justin. And There we go. Uh, there we go. Official yeah. term, co-host. That's co-host. So, so, uh, uh, yeah, so can... what's going on, man? I have not, like, we, we, we barely talked, like, all week. This is Yeah, we've us. been busy. Usually we yeah. uh, at least... Uh, commute uh, you know talk to each other in some type of fashion i don't think we got like a... any any game in whatsoever this no week. game or Mon- i don't know the... what's we... happening in montana right now Mon- we, montana's screwed because because well, we can't liberate them we can't you know? liberate the homesteads you know <laughs> yeah that and like we're referencing our ongoing far cry five yeah. campaign so which uh yeah so i mean without us i don't know what they're gonna do yeah. colt's uh, gonna have to take over that's probably what it is uh just to sustain them economically right yeah so, so what's yeah. going on with you? Uh, well, one thing I've been doing a lot this week, uh, Avengers Infinity War comes out next Friday. What's that? It's, it, it's a indie film from uh, <laughs> the Russo brothers. Uh, okay. So it's like from, okay, from Indiana? Yeah, yeah, low budget. Uh, so in preparation, the wife and I have been watching all of the Marvel movies all over again. Minus the Hulk, because that movie stinks. But like... We've yeah. been doing it from the beginning. We just finished up on phase one. That took a, like three days. We've been trying to get like two in a night. It's tough because I'll get home from work at like, you know, from work or tutoring or whatever, like five to six, and then we try and squeeze two in before we go to bed. That's right. probably why we haven't been playing games. I've been watching so much Marvel movies, but yeah, I mean, your week sounds way better. I I was on campus to like from I don't know, it was from like eight to eight to ten. Like eight in the morning or nine in the morning to like ten that's, at night. It was crazy. That's a really like, short. Oh, at night. Okay. Yeah, at night. Like, at I night. see. Yeah, I see what the it was. A, it was a long week. It's a good week though because like, good things happen eventually. And so now it's just sort of like downhill stuff from here. So yeah, that's what's like for me right. at work right now. But uh, I do, I do need to catch up on some of those uh, Avengers movies. I, you are the diehard fan. I am the, the kind of the casual fan. Yeah, I've seen Phase One probably about twenty times. Like that, <laughs> from from Iron Man to Avengers. I've probably seen Phase 1 about 20 times. Now, from mm. Avengers to Age of Ultron, not so much, because Age of Ultron stinks. And But, like, certain ones in Phase 2 are great. Like, Winter Soldier is my favorite. I can't wait to rewatch that. But like, I just rewatched that, like, a week or two it's ago. It's so it on, good. Like, FX or something. Yeah, it's, it's very good. It's a good movie. But, like, there's that. And, like, the Thor 2, I'm not a fan of Thor 2. I thought the Dark World's just kind of boring. Yeah. Um, but, like... There's a few in there that are really good. Like, so I can't wait to watch this second part. And the third part, you know, I can only, I can only get up to, like, Thor Ragnarok because, obviously, mm. Black Panther's not available. But, like, I'm right. looking forward to next... Uh, we're probably going to see it Thursday night. So I'm looking forward to next Thursday night. It's going to be a really fun time. So We'll do our customary Saturday morning thing, and then that's what we'll do because we're antisocial and afraid of people. Who likes people, right? Yeah. Anyways, what have you been up to this week, man? Okay, so even though, uh, even though I have not... Uh, I have not spoken with you. Uh, I have been uh, I've been playing some games, not a whole lot of in-depth stuff. 
Uh, but I have been playing this game called Friday the 13th Killer Puzzle. Uh, it came out, I think it just came out last Friday because it was Friday the 13th, it was 4.13. Uh, so I I saw this on on, a, on Twitter at somewhere, somewhere was like posting pictures of it and it looked kind of hilarious. Uh, so it's this small little puzzle game. It's by a company called Blue Wizard Digital. And you can find it on like Google Play Store, App Store, but I got it on Steam. So you can get it on any of those any of those platforms. And it's based on Friday the Thirteenth, the the you know the movie series, Jason Voorhees and everything. And your goal is pretty simple because you play as Jason, and you're supposed to kill people, and and that's sort of a shocker. Uh, so it's what? pretty straightforward. Yeah, but it's not like that Friday the Thirteenth game on Steam where you know one person plays the killer and everybody else plays hapless victims. Uh, this is a puzzle game, and it's just a solo thing. Uh, so it's a little cutesy little puzzle game. It's got a bunch of different levels. Um, some of them are pretty straightforward, but they're all, by, by levels, I mean like they're, they're puzzles. So each level is a puzzle. And then each level itself is like one square isometric grid, like a checkerboard thing. Uh, and it's all got very cartoonish graphics, like very, very cartoonish graphic stuff. Uh, on every level um, across this little checkerboard grid, there are a variety of potential victims that you need to kill. Now, most of the time, well, at least... I should say in the first kind of round of puzzles, it's sort of the traditional camp counselor theme, like so Camp Crystal Lake type of stuff. Uh, but then there's other, there's other like uh, rounds or other collections of puzzles that have different themes. So there's like one that's the wasteland, one that's in prison, one that's like a, like a ski resort. Uh, and so there's a couple different types like that. And they all have themed puzzles, but it's, it's just like a cartoony square. And on this square, there are a bunch of different uh, people that you are supposed to kill. And your mom's basically telling you this, like, like Jason, make sure you go kill the camp counselor. This is you know, Garrett's stuff like, his mother? This is Garrett's mother. It's a oh little known God. thing. Yeah, yeah, that's why he kills twist. people. I know, I know. <laughs> Facts of life would have been so Daddy. much different if Jason was on it. So you're, uh, so you're playing as Jason, you're trying to navigate the grid, and you're attempting to, like, just brutally murder the individuals. And there's some terrain, there's stuff like, like water and fire, there's bear traps, stuff like that, that can be interacted with. Um, and then there's other terrain, like outhouses that can be knocked over, uh, stuff like that. Now, the, the thing is, the, the way the game plays is that moving Jason around this grid happens orthogonally, so you, you can't like move diagonally. So think of it like a chessboard sort of, but you can only move like, you know, on the x-axis and on the y-axis. And every time you move, because you, you know, for me, I just use the, you know, the, the, the arrow keys on my keyboard, like you are moved entirely into that direction. So you can't just move one space. Like if you press to the right, then you go as far to the right as you possibly go until you're blocked by terrain or you get the edge of the map or something like that, right? And so that's, that's it. Like you go as far as you can possibly go, okay? Now what, this hap what happens is that you end up having a little puzzle because like the victims largely don't really move too much unless you like surprise them. But sometimes you want them to move because you, you can only move around the map by going your full distance every time. And since there's all sorts of different terrain and there's blocks in the way and if there's gates uh, or there's other like traps that you don't want to step on, you have to be really careful about how you plan your movement around the puzzle, you know? And so usually there's only like a couple, maybe one or two different ways to sort of solve this puzzle. Like how do you actually move around the map to make sure you kill all of the camp counselors or all of the prisoners or whatever theme that you're working with. Um, now it's kind of fun and the, the early levels of the puzzles are super easy and it does a really good job of sort of layering in like new, me new mechanisms, 
Um, so off the bat, it's just like you just walk up and you hack somebody. And all you do to kill somebody is just you walk over to them and then you kill them. And in some of them, you have to do like a kill meter. And so it's like a it's it's sort of like a like a quick time event, but not really. It's like a little bar that shows up and like the arrows moving, and you have to like click at just the right moment when it's in the proper space on that bar. It's super easy to do. I actually have never clicked outside of it, so I probably should have tested to see what actually happens. But the animations for the deaths are just completely and utterly over the top. Like they're the most like ab absolutely absurd thing. It's like like how it cutting... should be for Jason, maybe pretty much. Yeah, but again, it's super cartoony. I think there's a toggle where you can you can adjust the level of gore. Like if you don't want to see all the crazy gore, then you know you can go ahead and do it. You can go ahead and like reduce some of that kind of stuff. Um, there's also uh, a blood meter that you have, so it's sort of like a leveling up mechanic. And as you complete levels, complete puzzles, you fill up that blood blood meter, and whenever you fill up. Uh, the meter fully, you gain a level, which essentially gives you an item of some kind. And it's usually aesthetic, so it's like a new weapon or it's a new outfit. Um, so, for instance, like you could have like Apocalypse Jason or you can have like Uber Jason. So like how Jason looked like from that amazing Jason X movie. Uh, or like oh, Supermax God. Jason where he wears a prison jumpsuit or something like that. Uh, and so as you're doing, as you play through each level, you unlock more levels and more themes and so on and so on and so on. So I played through the first three and a half or four, something like that. Um, but I know that there's at least nine others. I think there's a total of 12 themes, maybe more on the way, I'm not sure. Um, and if you're impatient, you don't want to grind, you can you can pay to unlock certain things as DLC, because I know I saw on Steam that some levels could be purchased for like $2.99. But the game is free to play, like you can get it for free. And then whether or not you want to spend any money to, to unlock other things, you're welcome to do so. I didn't, but... Um, but it's a fun little game. It's got some good puzzles. Uh, it's morbidly silly. It's just absolutely silly. Uh, I do recommend it. It's it's pretty fun. Whether you're getting on a mobile store, you know, one of your mobile devices, or you're getting on Steam, it's it's really fun. Um, you can find out more about it too on f13killerpuzzle.com, uh, which shows like all sorts of different aspects of the game, some videos, some some screenshots, etc. But it's a fun little game. It's totally a puzzle game. There's a ton of gore, but it's comical. It's it's silly and it's cartoonish. So. You know, if you're a fan of Friday the 13th, if you're a fan of puzzles, like if you're in that one wonderful little Venn diagram, uh, then yeah, give this a try. It's pretty fun. I mean, it sounds pretty cool. Yes, it does. What have you been playing? Um, I bought God of War 4. Um, okay. That's and... also probably one of the reasons we haven't talked this week, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Well, it came out yesterday and I bought it last night when I got done watching our movie of the week. Yeah, and so I played it all morning today. Pretty much, I had like a little meeting I go to with my wife, but then afterwards we played it all morning. Um, it's a it's a wonderful game. Um, it it's different than the others. Like I played God of War one to three. I never did the PSP stuff because I never got a PSP because I'm not twelve. Um, but like, I think uh, you can be older than twelve and still get a PSP. I, I'm more. I'm a Game Boy man myself. Okay. Oh my gosh, Game Boy. I remember that. But uh, I play God of War one through three, and I've always loved the universe that God of War is set within because I think it's a really cool, interesting dynamic of like, you know, using these Greek and uh, Roman mythologies to describe a new little story. I thought it was really cool. Um, so it's been, I think, it's got to be at least five to eight years since the last one came out and this one is again about kratos but it's years after the last time you've seen him and he has a son it seems and they're in kind of a norse mythology type of world so right. like the first game was 
Roman mythology. Then it's Greek mythology and Titans in the second one. No, Titans in the second one, Greek mythology in the third one. And then this one, they're doing more Norse-related type of stuff. So you have Thor, the world snake, all these different types of stuff. And so basically, um, the music is unbelievable. The settings are amazing and beautiful. It's really pushing the PS4 further than I've ever seen before. It's not as super action-oriented as it was previously. Before, it was like a hack-and-slash, kind of like a Devil May Cry type of game. Now, I would more associate it with, like, a Naughty Dog game, like a, um, an Uncharted or, like, a, a Tomb Raider type of feel, over-the-shoulder. Okay. But, like, it also has somewhat of, like, a, a, what's a Dark Souls feel to it. Because the, the fights are smaller groups of things. Because before, they would throw, okay. like... 80 demons at you now they're smaller demons but smaller groups of demons but it's more skill based of fighting and there is some hack and slash to it and there's animations when you like grab people but like it's it's more of a an intimate type of thing does um, it uh does it model the difficulty after dark souls um kind of but like i would say it's light light dark souls because dark souls is so punishing when things go wrong this one just takes a little bit more skill to fight, is all I would say. Like, The last God of War was just like, I'm going to do a trillion things and have a trillion abilities, and it's going to go crazy. This mm -hmm. one's more like, you have to strategize what you're going to do, and it's a little bit more punishing when you get in a, a bad situation. Um, nope. it's, a, it's a very beautiful game. The, the, the It's a very emotional setting, um, and I really like the Norse mythology type of feel to it because it's it's very it's, it's a departure from the previous ones because they were very heavy um roman and greek and titans and all that stuff and so it's nice seeing that same character in a different type of mythological universe saying that like the basic idea is like all gods exist he's just kind of the arbiter of all of them and it's really interesting and, and it's it's not a reboot it's like a soft reboot because like you see the scar on his stomach that Zeus put in his stomach in the first game because Zeus stabs a sword through his chest in the first game. Right, right. Um, you see he doesn't have his, his hand glaives on the chains, but you see where they were uh, singed onto his body because um, somehow they were removed and he hasn't, hasn't had them ever since, but he's got like wraps around his hands where they were. Um, and like something's happened between the previous one and this one where he had a wife and a child and it's all about the you kind of like unraveling that mystery and also figuring why figuring out why the Norse gods are trying to uh trying to kill him for some reason because they someone basically hunted him down and he you get in a big fight with him in the beginning and it's just like you're kind of like protecting your son and figuring out why uh the Norse gods are after him but it's amazing so far I've only played about three hours of but it's really cinematic and really fun to be playing at the moment. So it's cool. God of War 4 on PlayStation 4. But nice. uh, yeah, what else have you been doing? So uh, The Expanse. You ever, you, you, have you watched The Expanse? I watched the, the, the first season of it. Okay. That's about it. Well, uh, season three just started up uh, about a week and a half ago as the time when we were recording this. And so, so far, two episodes have aired. I've watched both of them. I'm a big Expanse fan. Uh, so if you don't know what The Expanse is, uh, it is one of Sci-Fi Channel's, quote, take this seriously kind of science fiction series. 
Uh, I like to put sci-fi channels, like sci-fi series in sort of two categories. There's there's like the Battlestar Galactica Expanse category, and then there's like the Winona Earp, uh, like Z Nation category, you know, which is like one's just sort of, you know, popcorny, goofy, fun. Um, not saying that there aren't serious storylines. And then there's the other one that's like, no, we're dealing with like super heavy political themes and whatnot. So the Expanse is, is in, to me, it's, I think it's sort of like the sci-fi channel's attempt to have like a spiritual successor to Battlestar Galactica in a way, right? Even though the stories aren't really even remotely the same. Uh, so anyway, that just premiered about a week and a half ago. I've been watching The Expanse since it first came out. Um, it's also based off a, a series of science fiction novels of the same name. Like the whole series is called The Expanse and each individual book has like separate things. Uh, like Leviathan Wakes, I think is the first one. And then uh, there's other ones after that. Um, but it's by James S.A. Corey, who isn't even really a person. It's just a pseudonym for two guys, Daniel Abraham and Ty Frunk, who are both writers actually on the show, or at least I think they wrote part of it anyway uh, for the show. So uh, if you've never seen it before, it's a series that's set about 200 years in the future, uh, and humanity has expanded into the solar system and off of off of Earth. They still, uh, you know, they're still on Earth, but they've expanded elsewhere. Uh, they've colonized Mars and they've built space bases and such out in the belt. Um, they've they've got all sorts of space stations and bases on specific asteroids and moons and dwarf planets, etc. Uh, and it and the, the I would say the show mostly follows, or at least one of the main threads of the show is like the trials and tribulations of the crew of the Rosinante, uh, who's sort of like the main ship, and that's led by a guy named James Holden, and they're sort of navigating this very politically precarious uh, minefield uh, of a system as it's kind of on the brink of war because Mars and Earth are effectively in this kind of cold war. Um, that's where this, this series starts. And they, through no particular fault of their own, just sort of happenstance, kind of get in the mess of things, get in the middle of things. And so they're sort of navigating it almost as like a third party, right? Uh, there's another storyline early on in the in the series that follows Thomas Jane's character, who is Detective Miller, and he's a, a cop who works on Ceres, and he's trying to track down this uh, his missing daughter, or not his missing daughter, but the missing daughter of a really powerful businessman. Those storylines obviously are going to intersect at some point, and they do. They did in the in the late first season and into the second season. And there's like a third storyline that deals more directly with like all the macro politics that's going on in the system. Uh, it focuses on the major players in the UN, like Earth, like the UN runs Earth. And then they have like the focal point character is Christian Avasarala, who is um, an under, a deputy undersecretary. Uh, so I don't, I don't want to like get into it because it's still a fairly new series and some people might, I don't want to spoil any major storylines. But what I'll say is that um, so far this season, like one of the things I've been looking forward to is whether or not they were going to take the kind of that macro politic, the, the Christian story, Christian Avasarala, if uh, they were going to take her storyline and they're going to take the Holden storyline and they're going to kind of wrap them together, tie them together in some way. And they finally seem to be on the path to doing so, which is really nice. Uh, a lot of crazy stuff went down at the end of season two. Uh, there is like a kind of a corporate faction involved as well. There's like this, what may or may not be some sort of proto molecule. That's what they call it. They call it a proto molecule that is sort of like a uh, fueling this, this war, uh, this arms race, so to speak, between Earth and Mars. Uh, there's people working behind the scenes to create, all, you know, the, the possibility of war. Uh, so it's a really, really interesting show. I highly recommend it. Uh, season season three just started up. You can still try to track down season one and season two uh, and catch up before you kind of dive too heavily into season three. 
Uh, but I've been a big fan of it. I think the production quality of it is really well. I actually really like the uh, the ship design on the show quite a bit. Uh, I like the ship battles. Uh, it does that actually reminds me a lot of Battlestar Galactica and just the way that they're you know, the way that they're actually depicted, uh, which is really really nice. Uh, so big fan of it. Uh, just started up about a week and a half ago. I think it was like I think that premiered on the 11th, April 11th or so. So we're two episodes in. So if you didn't know, Expanse is back. It's on Sci-Fi Channel. I think it's Wednesday nights. Uh, so take a look. And Justin, uh, hurry up, catch up, because we got to talk about it more. more yeah, I, I, I watched it when it first came out. I think I watched the first couple episodes. Then, because mm -hmm. the first season was real short. It was a real short first season. And there was even like talks. I heard like it was going to be canceled or something like that. But then I guess they, they kept it. Maybe, around. but it's in its third season. So I yeah, have no so idea what the ratings I'm gonna are. I'm going to have like, to so. catch up with it. I remember sure. watching it thinking it was a pretty interesting, like, galactic drama it's the best yeah. way i can describe it so yeah, that's, yeah i think that's totally fair that's what it is well, and it, it it's like the I, I like it because there's the micro stories of like the yeah. individual characters and the crews but then there's like the macro story which is like all the politics between earth and mars and then the yeah. belt when you think about the builders involved so that's really cool too so anyway that's the expanse uh what about you would you have what have you been watching or listening to this week uh well i was made aware of a podcast series created by Marvel called Wolverine the Long Night. Um, I heard about it a couple of weeks ago from uh, an associate that I work with at school. Because I hadn't really heard anything about it. And then he sent me an email saying, hey, you should check this out. And I was like, I guess, I, he goes, I know you like comics, so you should check this out. So I looked at it. And basically it's a fictional uh, podcast series. Um, where basically it's like a story, an audiobook story style type of thing. Where it's... Um, basically a, a wolverine uh murder mystery all right um it takes plain like wol wolverine's murdered or no 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 like there's a okay. murder okay so it takes place in burn alaska so okay. it's it's way up north in kind of a, a secluded area um and in burn alaska there's been nine murders on a commercial fishing boat um okay. and the murders uh sure seem to be done by someone who's got claws and can go through uh, metal pretty easily. So, well, that's yeah. just like profiling, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, that's ridiculous. I, yeah. I can't believe they're they're stopping them. But yeah. uh, there's also two other murders in the woods, and they the sheriff and the local authorities believe it was by a bear. So, like these two secret agents come up. They don't really say what organization they're from, but very shortly in the story, you kind of feel like they're from Shield or something or some type of high-tech organization whether they're from shield or even like the weapon x program which is the program that created wolverine you feel like it's some type of next level of what they are so they come and start investigating they're trying to find out who did it and they have uh have had reports of a short man with big old mutton chops who's built like a, a brick house and uh has been new to the area that drinks a lot and secludes himself that he might be the one that's responsible for these murders um, there's also, uh, a lot of like, so there was reports that there was drugs on this boat too, but the drugs went missing. Um, there's, there's, uh, this, th there's a cult arising in the community, which I think is really weird because a lot of cult stuff happening with all the different things we've been talking about lately. Right. Uh, yeah. Wild yeah. country. And bear things too. Yeah. Because there's bears in Far Cry 5. They thought it was a polar bear on the show, the terror that I've been watching. So it's something about bears and cults. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's in the area. It's a, it's a bear cult. 
So yeah. like there's there's a cult called the Aurora because they're in Alaska and you see the Northern Lights and stuff. Um, there's a drug uh, smuggling, uh, corporate interests being involved. Um, it's all a really interesting uh, story. Uh, there's seven chapters available right now. You can only get it on Stitcher Premium right now. Now once the whole thing's over, they're going to release it for free um, in the fall. Once the whole all the chapters are through. Um, I've gotten through, I think, five of the seven chapters. And it's really good. Like, the voice acting is good. Um, it's written by Benjamin Percy, and the director of it's Brendan Baker. I don't know what else they may have been involved with. But, like, the. I think he's a cousin. He's probably a cousin of mine. Yeah. yeah. But, like, the guy who plays Wolverine is Richard Armitage, who did a. Who was a Thorin Oakenshield from. A, right, right. Yeah. From a, The Hobbit. And there's a couple other people there, like Scott Addis, adds it, is from. A, 30 Rock, he plays uh, Lemon's best friend. And then Bob Balaban, who's been in a ton of stuff. If you saw him, you'd know who, know who he is. But there's a whole is that bunch the, of... Is that Roger, the Who Framed Roger Rabbit guy? No. It's, ah, damn it. It's, uh, he's been in a bunch of sitcoms. So if I showed you his face, you're like, uh, okay. yeah, I know what he's in. Uh, but okay. like, it's it's a really interesting story. And the, the voice acting is really good. The only voice acting that was bad in the whole thing so far was there's like a little kid moment. And the little kid wasn't mm. so good. But, like, other than that, like, it's interesting. And it's, it's like, a mature thing. Like, there's swearing and very gruesome scenes and stuff like that. And uh, it's, it's definitely meant for a mature audience. But I, I've enjoyed it so far. I'm going to finish it up. Cool. And uh, I highly suggest anyone who's interested in, in Marvel Comics or Wolverine take a shot and listen to it. You can get a week free on Stitcher Premium. Um... And then they start charging you, or you can do a month free, and they can start charging you. Right. But you can also just stick with Stitcher Premium if you like it, and get a lot of exclusi- yeah. exclusivities and stuff like that. So I think I might check that out. That actually sounds pretty cool. It so really that's does. Wolverine: The Long Night uh, on, by man. Marvel Studios. So what else have you been doing? Okay, so one of the things uh, I've been uh, looking at this week were there are two two kind of trending hashtags uh, that were going on on Twitter. One, uh, and they were they were both related. Uh, one was called uh, one was called Game Struck Four, and one was Struck Four. You saw this? That was so, weird. Okay, so basically, what each hashtag was doing was uh, for the you know Game Struck Four. The idea was pick four games from your life that like kind of s- that struck you in some way that were kind of meaningful that they formed a bit of who you are as a gamer, or or they mean something important to you. And the same thing with film. Like it was it was the same thing. So I got in on this, and, uh, and and so, and I was kind of curious where you were going to go with it. But uh, mine, because uh, I actually put this up on our on our Twitter account there, um, yeah, I, I had trouble a bit with the game one. Like the film one was super easy. Like the film one, three of them were just automatic. So because for me, like there's there are fewer. I can't think of movies. There are three movies that I think of when I think of like my favorite movies. It's The Thing, it's Jaws, and it's Alien. Like the first Alien. I love the whole, you know, I love the whole Alien series, but I love the first Alien the most. So those three immediately were like right on my radar, and because I love, I love, you know, sci-fi. I love horror, and they all have different blends of it. Uh, and Jaws was amazing. Like I, I, I saw Jaws when I was way, way, way too young, and I lived five minutes from a beach for twenty-something years of my Not life. Bad uh, so. Those are probably bad things to combine, uh, but those three for sure. The fourth one was a little trickier to figure out. Um, I try, you know, I went back and forth. I was like, mm, maybe Office Space because that sort of redirected the major I was doing in college. Uh, but no, no, 
I like office space, but not that much. I thought Monty Python, cause I, I still remember going to my neighbor, my neighbor's house. Like when one. I was a, That's when a I was one. a kid, we, he used to have, cause he had like this little eight inch TV like really tiny black and white TV. And that's how I first saw Monty Python. And like, we would re would redo like the, the black Knight scene over and over again. And we would just watch it on that tiny little, that tiny little TV. So that was pretty impactful, but ultimately I went with, uh, with the dark crystal, uh, cause I absolutely love, uh, love that movie. Uh, so film, so the film one wasn't too difficult, but those were the ones I went with because I thought that those, really set the tone for what my tastes were going to be for the rest of my life. And they still are, right? They kind of still dictate a bit. Games was a little bit trickier because um, I started thinking back because my, my taste in games have changed a lot over the years and they've changed for a variety of reasons. Part of it is just like what's become available, but also it's just as you get older, you don't have as much time, you start to value different things. But I remember when I was younger, I used to play like a ton of you know, a ton of like the turn-based uh, kind of the Japanese import, you know, role-playing games. And so the first one I always remembered was Dragon Warrior. Um, so it was Dragon Quest over in Japan, Dragon Warrior here. I still remember Dragon Warrior 1, the very first one on NES. It was the first game that I ever played anything remotely close to that. I still remember the phrase, the slime draws near. Uh, so that one was one of mine. And then I remember that that particular genre just blew my mind when Final Fantasy 3 for the SNES came out, which was Final oh, Fantasy 6. God, I love that game. That is That game, I got everyone, you know, I don't really have time to invest in those types of games anymore, but I remember when <laughs> I remember when I, that first came out, man, I played through that game so many times, did every single unlock, did everything I potentially could, and so that game really blew my mind. But then... Somewhere around like college days, like I started getting to MMOs, right? And so my first MMO was EverQuest and I was like, hmm, maybe EverQuest, but EverQuest didn't really stick with me. I kind of got in, got into the party late with that one, but Dark Age of Camelot was the one that sort of struck me because Dark Age of Camelot is the game where I'm like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with being up right now at three o'clock in the morning with 60 other people and doing a relic raid. This isn't strange. This is fine. This is fine. This is not odd at all. And so the idea of raiding and kind of doing this mass grouping uh, really started with Dark Age of Camelot. And then then it moved into Left 4 Dead because Left 4 Dead for me uh, sort of We've helped us. We had such good times, but I also think it sort of crystallized our game group, right? Like, like Yeah, we, it's kind of like what what formed the core of the people we played yeah, all the time. Because we, you know, a lot of us, I mean, you and I, we know each other like outside of games, but like a lot of our other friends, like there are gaming friends that we we've known for years. And so they're just friends, you know, but like we all come from wow or some other game, but left for dead was the thing that took us from like a 40 man raid group. And like, we're about eight or nine people and kind of crystallized it. So those were sort of the ones for me. So I would be interested and I'm not going to put you in the spot right this second, but I would sort I, of I be could, interested. I could do it. I could do it. Okay. All right. If you want, go for it. For, for four movies. Okay. okay. Uh, it'd be Lord of the Rings because okay. that, that to me is the pinnacle of cinema. The so you, the whole trilogy, or you the just whole like trilogy. picking one? The whole trilogy. Okay, well, like, you're already breaking the rules. As, a, as a whole. So so okay, if I had to pick okay. one, the Two Towers. Two Towers is. Okay. I think Two Towers is phenomenal. The okay. the Battle of Helm's Deep is. I can watch that a trillion times. Um sure. So I'll Very say great. that. Snatch, um, when oh, it comes yeah. to uh, like sideways hitting you twist endings and all stuff, that movie. When it first happened, when I first saw that way the way the whole thing ended, you know, at the yeah. boxing match, blew my mind. Yeah. Um, Tommy Boy, Statham. 
Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy. Uh, oh my God. It's yeah, one I can of, see that. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It, it really uh, forms my humor. It's it's always been a nice connection between me and my brothers and my father. Um, so that's that's a really deep feel in that one. Cool. And the fourth one's tough, but I'd have to say probably like um, Remember the Titans is probably mm-hmm. up there too when it comes to like because that's the type of movie Denzel's performance in that's amazing. Uh, the the whole spirit behind that, you know, me being a football coach and everything, I feel like that really is a a staple sure. of my life. I've seen that movie a trillion times too. So nice. If not, if not, Remember the Titans, it'd probably be Spider Man too. Um, just yeah, I mean that's they're basically the same thing. Yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. They're the same movie. So yeah. video games. Video right. games. It would be uh, Goldeneye, even though of course you, I was I I knew it. I knew you, you were going to say Goldeneye me as a child. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but Goldeneye is one of them. Uh. Yeah. Ocarina of Time um, nice. is up good, there. Good choice. Um, World of Warcraft, obviously. I've played that game sure. for 13 to 14 years now. You so single-handedly keep Blizzard in business. Yeah, I've put some of their kids <laughs> in college. Uh, and to wrap it up, let's see here. What would I wrap it up with? This is a tough Hello one. Hello Kitty Roundup? Yeah, Hello Kitty Roundup was pretty good. Um... <laughs> I'd have to say, I'm going to have to double up and say uh, Link to the Past. Ah, um, to Zelda. To Zelda. I've, I've always been devoted to Zelda. Like that, Zelda's <laughs> kind of my top. If it's not World of Warcraft, it's Zelda. So I'd say Link to the Past and uh, Ocarina of Time. Those two are pretty much what uh, formed my ability to play games and stuff like that. So. That, I, was, I was on the spot, but I think it's the best I could do right there. So. That's pretty good. That's pretty good for on the spot. Like, I had a sleep on the game one. Like, I, I had a couple ideas. I knew Final Fantasy VI would be up there, and I knew Dark Age of Camelot would be up there. But I'm like, hmm, not sure about the other. So I had a sleep on it. Films, the film one was super easy. That was that was pretty easy. Yeah, I saw so that I mean, one on View Online. I was like, yeah, that's... that's yeah, cool. I mean, I, I thought it was a cool thing, though. It was just sit there and think about, like, how our entertainment and how our games have sort of formed formed us and how we look at things you know so it was, it was i thought it was a really cool thread uh, and seeing and seeing a lot of people start posting the same thing like when i found a couple couple people putting up dark age of camelot i'm like yeah yeah also <laughs> camelot unshamed coming soon beta starts this year can't wait Woo. uh so i invested in that like three years ago i better get something out of it you're gonna oh i'll stop put it. 50 Kick, bucks into it kickstarter is not a store okay it's not a store <laughs> Anyway, we're running long here, so uh, you got uh, anything quick for us, or are we I heading do. over? To... I All right, do. Let's hear it. So I heard this news. I think it was today or yesterday. It broke. Did you ever watch Smallville? No, I didn't actually. I didn't either. But a lot of my <laughs> this friends is a good start yeah, to the so, conversation. So far, we're good. A lot of my friends they <laughs> loved it, and I never really got into it because I thought I was. I just wanted to see Superman. Maybe it's because I was young. And I was like, just show me the cape. Uh, but like. He had a buddy on the show. Her name was Chloe, right? It was like a, a buddy, and in, in, she worked for the school newspaper or whatever in Smallville. Her name's Allison Mack. Did you hear about this story? I have not. I'm looking at it in the show notes, and I find it funny that it's yet another cult yes. story. So, yeah. Allison Mack played C- Chloe, his friend. Like It was one of the only friends that knew who he was and what he did. Um, it's not canon in the comics, but it was in the show. Um, she was arrested for a connection to a sex trafficking cult called Nixivim, I think it's called. What? 
So this stuff is this stuff is nuts. All right. So she um, basically it was a sex trafficking cult where she would gather up women and uh, sleep deprive them, food deprive them, and would force them to have relations with their cult leader. His name was Rainier, I guess. Is this his is. Name absolutely awful is if this it's is insane. true this is, this is disgusting it's nuts they would like brand them and stuff this is a woman that starred on a tv show for almost 10 years and she got oh wrapped up in this cult and now because she has direct relation to it she she's like the second in command she could serve 15 years to life in prison for oh all this God. stuff if if all these charges are true, she it's darn well deserves it. Horrifying, but it's also the weirdest thing. She played like the quirky best friend in Smallville, and now she's right. like a cult leader person. It's nuts. So I saw that, oh, and I was yeah. like, "This is insane." So I always oh. thought the guy that would come out weird in that would be the guy who played Lex Luthor, that bald dude. Yeah, but he was in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, so I guess not. I guess not. This is this is weird. I'm gonna read up more on this. I don't. Yeah. I have no idea who this woman. I've never watched. Small it's, Mouse, it was so. on TMZ. It's not on TMZ. So look up Allison Mack. No, Holt. I got it. I'm on. I'm on. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing some quick googling here. It's, it's pretty nutty. crazy. So if you want to really get depressed about reality, go ahead and read that up. Read up on that. It's really nuts. I thought and it was that quote because it's it's entertainment <laughs> and comics, but then also like it's falling in line with all the stuff we've been doing lately. All this needs is a story about a bear in it too, and we'll be set. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, uh, thanks for bringing us down. Yes, I'm good. Uh, with that. This is a good place, I suppose, to end uh, this uh, first segment. And it's uh, thanks, Justin. Yeah. Uh, that's great. All right, so we we've gone on for way 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 too long. We gotta we gotta start putting a cap on what we Maybe say. We, we, we talk too I much. I just love talking so much, man. Saw this. Yeah. Plus, we haven't seen each other all week, so like the that's brain, like the two halves of the brain are like together, and so they gotta they gotta reunite. All right, man. What do you say uh, we go talk about the Vermont Highway Patrol? Let's do that. It's the movie. Breakdown. So Super Troopers 2 is a 2018 comedic movie starring the Broken Lizard comedy group. And it's directed by Jay Chandrasekhar. I hope I did that right. Uh, This is a sequel 17 years in the making. It, it probably didn't take them 17 years to make it. It's just, it's been 17 years since the classic Super Troopers movie uh, was released in 2001. Uh, now, this movie was actually partially crowdfunded through Indiegogo back in, I think, 2015. Now, the premise of the movie, if you know anything about Super Troopers, uh, the first movie, is as ridiculous as one would hope. Uh, the United States and Canada have, have discovered that the border along Vermont slash Canada is in the wrong place and the U.S. should have a small chunk of Canadian territory uh, and in order to protect this territory during the, the, the turnover, uh, the Vermont Highway Patrol is called in to take over for the Canadian Mounties. Now the crew from the first movie is that Highway Patrol group. Uh, they are happy to oblige because they've lost their jobs due to a Fred Savage incident apparently that isn't fully explained until the ending credits. And I do uh, recommend waiting through those credits to, to get some of that information. Uh, so we then follow their shenanigans and chicanery as the highway patrol deals with the unwelcoming population of a small Canadian town, uh, the frustration of the, on, the outgoing Mounties and naturally some kind of super duper secret drug trafficking plot. Uh, so listen, 
Uh, we're not really going to tell you exactly how the story ends and what happens, but we're probably going to spoil things here and there as we talk about our favorite moment, moments from this uh, really goofy movie. Uh, but at the same time, this is this is a movie that you go to more for the comedy and probably less for the plot. Uh, but let's uh, let's head over and give our breakdown of Super Troopers 2. Uh, so, Justin, what'd you think? I thought it was great. No, I, I, uh... I I knew you were going to start there. All right, okay, we're done with the breakdown. Moving on. Yeah, I, I loved it. Um, I think they did a really good mixture of callbacks to the previous yeah. and fully original jokes for what they're doing. Um, I, I love all the Broken Lizard movies. The only one I have not seen is the Slam and Salmon. Um, it's more of their... That's one that, that's like their tail end of what they were doing when people stopped funding them. Um, right. I think it's Michael Clark Duncan's last movie, too. But like, Was um, it? I think it was. But uh, I always loved their humor of their ridiculousness and stupidity, um, and this one wasn't any wasn't short of that at all. Um, lots of uh, penis humor and uh, uh, drug humor and all that different stuff and ridiculous concepts and Farva's just as terrible as he was in the first movie. Like I, I think that there's a lot of moments in the film that are worth rewatching and. It's going to take a while, because, like, that first movie was such a, a special thing, right? Because when it first came out, not many people knew about it. It wasn't until, like, it came to DVD that it became kind of a real phenomenon of what it is. Um, a really giant cult classic. And um, it took a while for those special moments of that first movie, like, the snozberries taste like snozberries or like the meowing and all that stuff to right. really hook on to people like be really classic moments i think given this movie enough time if you watch a couple times there's a couple moments in there too that i think are fantastic like the the pullover scene where they act like they're french i think is fantastic that's pretty funny um, and they just throw in the most ridiculous phrases <laughs> yeah like um, you'll great but, but, but. <laughs> yeah they're basically just saying all the french words they could possibly think of Right, right. Um, and they also they also try to convince this poor American couple of like a, a very wonderful phrase that we we can't really utter which, on the uh, <laughs> on the podcast. Yeah, um, but like it's yeah. it's like stuff like that where it's like I think it's really good classic moments. But at the same time, they're also like harkening back to old stuff because Jim Jack, Jim Gaffigan has a little bit of a yeah. Jim Gaffigan's back. That's a little funny part there. Since he's he was, the pulled, he was pulled over in the first movie, so he's pulled over in the second. Yeah. So yeah. And yeah. it's it's really good, and um, you know that it's an it's a it's another drug trafficking thing, and I think the way they explored sure. that was hilarious too. Um, mm. Of how just ridiculous of concepts that they had for it. All the characters are true to form. They weren't over exaggerated or or too much because I think like the only one you really worry about is Farva because Farva was such a very unique yeah. character in the first one and I, they they kind of like went over the top with him but i think it was proper for his well, i think that's the like that's the intention of it yeah. right? i don't think any of these any of these characters are meant to be like hey this is what a you know a real cop is like we're just yeah you know, they're just having fun and they're you know they're, it's they're like, what if a bunch of stoners farcical, you know ran yeah. a, a, a station so like it's all good i'm surprised that who's the guy that plays the the captain Uncle Argyle? Uncle oh, Argyle. my God, that joke. I'm surprised yeah. he's still alive. Well, that's not a old. very nice thing to say. That's he Brian very Cox. old. But, like... Well, he's he, looked very old, I think, for at least 25 <laughs> years now. 
Yeah. I still remember him from, I mean, like, I always remember him from Braveheart. And so when they made the joke at the very beginning, they're like, Uncle Argyle, I laughed. And I was the only person in the theater to laugh. So I was like, Is well, I, I love Braveheart. I, I, Braveheart was a good movie at the time for me. Uh, uh, yeah. What did yeah. you think of the movie? I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love Super Troopers. One of my favorite movies. You and I quote it to one another all the time because we're, you know, we're those type of people. Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm predisposed to enjoy it. And I go, you know, I went in with this just a really kind of laid back attitude. Cause it's really interesting. I don't, I started thinking when I, when I left the theater, I was talking to my wife. I'm like, when was the last time we went to a comedy in the movie theater? Cause then I, like, yeah, like, I realized like, while, man. we, we never do. I started thinking about that. Like we never do. Cause you, cause my wife made a really good point. She said, you don't really need the movie theater to kind of get the full effect of the movie, right? It's really just about the jokes. Like you go see a Marvel movie or, you know, you know, like an alien movie or something like that. You want those big special effects. So it's, it's actually pretty rare for me to go see a comedy movie. It might even be Super Troopers from 2001 for all I know. Uh, it's been that long, but I thought it was hilarious. Uh, I thought there were some nice call outs to a lot of the other things that happened in the previous one. Um, some call outs to sort of fan favorites. I liked how they kept referencing like who's do like who's doing the drug trafficking. It's the local cops. It's always the local cops, you know. Yeah, that's Which is like you know, call back to the first one. Uh, Rob Lowe in this movie was just just dumb. Like, oh my god, so he good. looked dumb. He sounded yeah. dumb. He's like a he's an ex hockey player who runs a brothel slash bar uh and is the mayor of the canadian town it's such a canadian and he's concept. got like the worst hair you could possibly imagine he talks like he's this like, all the time man oh gosh uh yeah and then the, some of the canadian accents were just absolutely stupid like will the mountains Sasso accents great. I, I haven't um, seen will sasso in something so long accent was so bad it's so it bad hilarious. but it's great and then the other yeah. guy he was in um there's he, tyler uh tyler ravine uh who's from um oh man He's from a bunch of stuff, actually. He was in that Hulu completely show. blanking right now. He was in that Hulu show for a while. Or La Beans, excuse me. He was in that Hulu uh, show. I forget what it was called. Okay. It's like scorched or something like that. Uh, something like that, where like he's like, uh, yeah. the devil or the undead or something like that. It was, it was interesting, but like, cool. He did. He did. Well, he he, he like, was one of the three Mounties because there were three Mounties that there was a rivalry going on between you know those mounties and then this incoming vermont highway patrol who's essentially taking their jobs as they're getting kicked out to some uh northern territory of canada where it's like super super cold there are a lot of metric system jokes oh, <laughs> the so metric good. system jokes were so oh funny oh my god when he said they're 10 so four metric oh that was so funny yeah i such and a then, nerdy math joke but that was yeah. so funny oh, so good uh, the opening sequence was really funny with Sean William Scott <laughs> yeah, <that's pretty laughs> and Damon Wayans Jr. Oh God, uh, it was. I was like, "What the heck is this? What the hell's going on?" Uh, but it made it all made sense. The scene in the Mounties, sort of. uh, one of their houses. I thought that was great too, where they're arguing about Danny DeVito. The Danny DeVito oh, stuff. So good. I was He's the same so guy, hard. man. Oh man, <laughs> so funny. Uh, yeah, the Danny DeVito stuff was absolutely hilarious. It's like, you know what movie? Like, oh, so they're basically this one guy is is trying to make the case that Danny DeVito, the person who's in, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, which is Danny DeVito. It's not the same is, Danny DeVito, it, DeVito from Taxi. From Taxi, which which is also Danny DeVito. Even and so he's driving his other friend crazy because he knows obviously that the answer is that they are the same person, right? 
So like that is absolutely hilarious scene. And when the guy comes back from the from the kitchen and he's just like, you know what movie uh, I really like is that that Batman movie with the penguin. And then the guy just flips out. <laughs> that's Danny DeVito uh, too. That's Danny DeVito too. Yeah. And then they were gonna talk that's about so Throw good. Mama from the Train. So whenever you make a Throw Mama from the Train reference yes. in the movie, like I need like that. I thought I would. I love that movie. Oh, Throw Mama from the Train. Uh, so there's also great. like really great comedy of like. Not only making fun of Canadian culture, obviously they did that, right? But like, well, I don't know if they made fun of Canadian culture as much as they made fun of like the Canadian, the way that we, as you know, the U.S. or as Americans, view them. Stere- stereotype Canadians, right? But so, man, they I like really... how they turned that upside down. Oh yeah, that's the best part. Us. They really, yeah. they really reamed America real bad. The one line where it's like, uh, "When did you guys get liberated?" or "When did you guys get your independence?" Nineteen eighty-two. Yeah, and like, right. He goes, yeah, maybe if we had longer, we'd have no gun control. <laughs> what was it? No gun control. Uh, what, no gun control, don't believe in evolution, and we're, like, too obese or something to have health care or something like it's that. Such yeah. a good, I, that. It was, like, That really line was yeah. amazing. And that guy who really plays that Mountie, I thought he was great. Yeah, he, he was very, very funny. I don't, I'm not sure if I remember. I don't know if I remember him from anything is. else. But, yeah. man, I want to know what he's in because he's hilarious. But yeah, yeah, he was very funny. Um, there are a lot of good things. Like I, I love Rob Lowe. He was probably whenever Rob Lowe was on the screen, I was enjoying just looking at how absolutely absurd he looked and how he was behaving. Um, and then the scene in the brothel. <laughs> oh man, the well, scene got, in the brothel. He's got the two uh, hookers next to him. That's pretty. Good. Yeah, one you know, one male, one female, and both showing elements of their you know of their product. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was, a, it was a pretty funny, funny moment. I'm not going to say what happens, but uh, it, there's a little bit of boxing involved. <laughs> here's yeah, a little bit here's of boxing. The thing, like you mentioned about like seeing comedy in the theater, I don't think I've laughed as much in a the theater in a long time. Yeah, I mean, and I don't like, really do it very. I mean, I I, I can't think. I, I seriously can't. I still can't. I still can't think of it. Maybe and I had maybe a couple super like, bad or something like that. I had a couple middle-aged stoners sitting next to me too, and. Uh, they were just great to listen to too because they were laughing so hard yeah. and everything. It's just like, it, it's, it's very rare that you come across like there's these comedies. I think like like Bridesmaids was good too when you see Bridesmaids for the first time, mm. but like, very rarely do you come across these movies where you feel like this is like a staple in comedy for a little while. I think this is one of those where because I'm gonna I think I'm gonna watch it multiple times and eventually I'll start referencing. It. There's certain movies where we reference all the time, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think this might end up yeah. being one of them in the long run because I really, really enjoyed the movie. I had a great time with my wife. So yeah, I mean, I was I was browsing to see what other people are saying about it. I guess it's not doing great in terms of reviews. It's pretty low on Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic right now. But uh, honestly, like I just Stop feel like this is the type so seriously. Yeah, it's Justin. Hilarious. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just I'm not trying to suggest this movie's like the greatest comedy ever. I mean, yeah, there's better comedies, but like I just don't think this. I think this is a movie that's intended to just be silly fun, and and that's the and case. It like, was. If, like, yes, the plot is, you know, basically dumb, and it is and, and ridiculous. It, and, yeah, it's pretty ridiculous, and it takes and and it, and it sort of borrows a lot from the structure from the first movie, but then it turns a few things on its head, and it has some silly moments, but. I don't know. This is the type of movie where I watch it. I'm watching it for the goofs, you know, and the gags and the silly things. And it's super juvenile. Like it totally is. Some of these jokes are absolutely juvenile, like locker room style jokes. Like, um, but like at the same time, like I thought it was really funny at times. Maybe it's again, maybe it's just because I, I am an audience member for this type of movie. Uh, you know, I going back to like the, you know, the Monty Pythons and the Mel Brooks type movies and, 
you know, I, I don't know if I put super troopers on the same level, but I certainly put them in the same category. Right. And so I, I, uh, I, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. And if you enjoyed super troopers, I think you, you're going to get a kick out of super troopers too. You know, whether or not you have to rush to the, to the movie theater to see it or just wait for it to come out, you know, on the, on the streaming service or something, that's, that's your call, uh, what the value is for you. Uh, but I definitely think it's it's worth a watch, and it's really funny. Just go into it just being relaxed and just chuckle at some absolutely stupid things. Uh, the mon like For me, one of the favorite, my favorite parts of the movie was the montage when they were doing the pullovers, like when they were just doing yeah, all the little so pullover good. gags, which are great. Like the healing I also like the pullover drug scene. Gag. I thought the drug scene was fantastic, too. Yeah, so at, at, fairly early in the movie, they find a drug stash, and they don't know what all the drugs do. So it's a bunch of pharmaceuticals, a bunch of pills, and so the they can't they can't get a lab to test it because Canada the Canadian labs are like, well, why don't you why don't you send them to the U.S. labs? And the U.S. labs are like, well, why don't you send them to the Canadian labs? And so they're like, you know, let's just try them and see what happens. And so everyone takes a different pill, and they just start studying the effects. And it's absolutely hilarious. Like it's it's really really funny. Like someone ends up doing cartwheels naked. Of course, of course, that's what's going to happen, right? And there's a bear. Bears are good. Speaking of bears, see, it's Those always coming fits, back to bears and cults. In. What the hell's going on? All fits in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So overall, like my, I, I recommend it. I think it's funny. Uh, what about you? I recommend 100. Like you said, like if you're a fan of Super Troopers one, you're not going to be disappointed by this one. It is a movie made for the fans. Sure. They don't treat fans like they're idiots. They don't. They're not uh, pandering to them too much. It's a lot of really good new jokes, and if you like the stupidity of the first one, which not everybody does, not everybody likes Super Troopers one. You know, it was panned when it first came out. But if you right. like Super Troopers one, you're gonna love this one too. So yeah. I highly suggest any fans of it go see it again. So that's that's my two two cents. All right, man. That's enough about Super Troopers two. Uh, I think it's time to. Uh to turn the lights down low, right? Let's turn the lights down low. Wait, nope, nope. That's the wrong role play. All right, so if this is your first time listening to the Lollygaggers podcast, every other week or so, I like to talk just a little bit about the Starfinder campaign I'm running. Uh, I am a GM or DM, whatever you want to call it. Uh, for a weekly RPG group that I have on Tuesdays. And for the past five months, we have been playing a Starfinder campaign. Uh, now, Starfinder is a sci-fi fantasy version of Pathfinder. Uh, Paizo released this last year, 2017, uh, basically extending a lot of the lore and the setting and some of the races uh, from Pathfinder into the future. as the same basic rules, but there's a little bit of streamlining here and there. Now, in the game I run, my players are on a specific crew of a ship called the Dereva, and they work for a company called Drift Runners Unlimited. Drift, the Drift being their, you know, the Starfinder's version of the warp, uh, something like that. Now, they were tasked early on in the campaign to track down a missing sister ship from their company, and they've been traveling to different worlds, different systems to try to figure out exactly what's going on, where it is, etc. Uh, now, if you were listening to episode three, I talked about how my players were eventually uh, taken to the planet of Verses uh, because they were doing this investigation to what amounted to like a, a large assault uh, on, a, on a fairly nice seminary uh, called the Seminary of P Perpetual Benevolence. And so it was like this peaceful little place and it might have something to do with their missing ship. Uh, and in the process of the investigation, they got into this uh, this 
car chase scene between these massively tall skyscrapers in this advanced futuristic city. And they crash landed on a tower called the Tomanaka Tower. Uh, every now and then what I like to do when I'm planning a session. Tomanaka. Yeah, I know I did it. Every now and then what I like to do when I plan sessions is I like to take certain certain movies or TV shows that I enjoyed or stories that I liked. And I like to take little elements. So it could be a character, it could be a setting, it could be a basic plot line. And I like to try to repackage them in some way. Because sometimes when you're running, you know, an RPG campaign and you're doing it for months on end and you're running the D and you, you kind of, you get a little tired from time to time, or maybe you lose a little bit of um, kind of inspiration one week, or, or maybe you're, your players are just, they took a left turn and you're like, I gave you all these clues. And they're like, yeah, we didn't see them. And they decided to go do something else. So every now and then when I, when I, when I craft an adventure, I structure it a little bit after a specific movie or a specific TV show. Uh, indeed, when I, when we did our D&D fifth edition campaign, I had a whole, the thing slash alien crossover uh, in the, these, these snowy mountains where they were, they're trapped inside this little, uh, this little cabin uh, during a blizzard. And in Starfinder, I decided I was going to do a diehard session. And so they were trapped on this tower called the Tomonaka Tower, which is the Nakatomi Tower, Nakatomi building, I should say, from, uh, from Die Hard, the very first Die Hard Come with Bruce Willis. Exactly. So what I did is they, they kind of land on this, on this tower, and it's not exactly the same. I just took a lot of the same characters. Uh, the, the two characters that I most focused on were Agents Johnson and Special Agent Johnson. Do you remember that from Die Hard? Like the two guys who come yeah, up and yeah. no the local cops like, hey, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, Captain, I'm Captain Robinson. I'm in charge here. And they're like, not anymore, you're not. So I essentially did that whole entire scene. And I do this from time to time just because it makes me laugh a little bit. Uh, and so they're, they were able to kind of talk their way into doing like a floor by floor sweep looking for a fugitive that they were both tracking down. So my crew was tracking it down because they wanted to you know, interrogate this guy, figure it out if they knew where the missing ship was and their missing, their missing colleagues were. Whereas like the FBI agents, so to speak, um, they're called the stewards in, uh, in Starfinder. Uh, they were there for reasons unknown, right? Um, so they were able to get through this, you know, they, they went through a couple different, uh, a couple different floors, a bunch of people died, weird stuff happened. Um, and eventually uh, they were, you know, the, the, the fugitive was apprehended, but the FBI kind of absconded with them and my crew was kind of left only with little hints of clues and whatnot uh so one of the tips like i like to do or one of the tips i would give to people who are structuring or planning their their own sessions if you're kind of new to dming or if you're not sure what to do is take stories that you're familiar with and just invert some things you know maybe you, you change up a storyline here or there but maybe you take a character uh and you think about well what made this particular character unique um, is this character just kind of a blowhard and silly, or is this character like really strong? Is this character really funny? Is this character a coward? And maybe build your NPCs off of those models uh, because it's kind of a quicker way to go about making things, especially if you have to make it on the fly because your characters uh, kind of took a route that you didn't entirely predict, right? Which happens from time to time. And, and, and then you have to start improvising. Now, the other thing we were doing on Verses is we were actually got to explore a personal story or a personal quest line. Uh, so one of the things I like to do in my campaigns when we do these long campaigns is try to have some sort of personal quest line for each character that plays. Now, I have a group of five people, and we've recently taken on a sixth who he's there. He's been there most of the time, but he can't commit to every single week. So he's there maybe two out of every three weeks or so. 
And so I try to have like a little bit of a personal quest in addition to the overarching quest line and then all sorts of little side quests here and there. And I do this mostly because it's just it's just fun to to focus on one particular character, have some character, you know, one particular player have the spotlight for a session. Uh, and usually what I do is at the beginning of a campaign, I ask players to kind of come up with a very light uh, background, not a super long background where they're like the hero of something, but just, you know, where are you from? Just give me a basic idea of where you're from so I can start developing those particular locations or give me the name of a couple different NPCs or people maybe you encountered, that kind of stuff. So one of my players, uh, his name uh, his name is Long. Uh, that's what we call him anyway. Uh, he uh, his character is an android, and his he basically took Pinocchio as his backstory. So he was a human boy who got really sick, and his father didn't want him to die, and so he sort of turned him into a, kind of a robot slash android uh, in order to save his life. So they kept harvesting his organs over and over again. And so what I like to do, was, so what I did is like, all right, I'm going to take his Pinocchio thing because I knew he did Pinocchio and I'm just going to totally run with it. And so I started getting this, I started sending him these weird cryptic messages every now and then from someone by the name of Candlewick. And if you know anything about Pinocchio, then I know that Candlewick is actually one of Pinocchio's friends. Now Long didn't know this, so he didn't pick up on this. Uh, but long story short, what I had, what I, what I kind of forced the players into is to investigate this little mysterious uh, hospital uh, that that Candlewick was sending him messages about saying, you know, you should really look into this. Something kind of strange is going on here. Like, I'm trying to help you out, you know, like, take a look at this. What's going on? And what it ended up, what it ended up being is Candlewick with, it was this like crazy AI, like it was an AI gone wrong that it kind of took uh, its programming a little too extremely. It had been working with, uh, with Long, Long Lee's, uh, his father, and then they were forced into this crazy battle with this whole collection of robots that were, you know, trying to to capture along these character uh, and and use him as kind of the model for for creating kind of more androids and and transmuting souls because uh, androids in the star in the Starfinder universe are all about kind of bringing a soul into the body and then the soul leaves and so it's kind of this idea of transmutation. Uh, so it was a it was a really kind of emotional emotional two sessions because this, this session kind of lasted over two because he was amazingly i couldn't believe this happened he was actually forced to kill his own father in the game and like so he was sitting there this candlewick this candlewick ai had been working with his father to try to save these children and and they were kidnapping androids and trying to use the android bodies as vessels for like these these dying children and put their souls into the into the bodies of the androids and so it was like this weird kind of moral thing like oh my god you're killing all these androids but okay you're saving kids at the same time but it's make these these hard choices and so uh, his father got hurt and so now candlewick was trying to save the father uh, by using uh by using long lee's character sarah to his own body to do it um it was, it was probably our most emotional moment because not only did he actually have to kill his own father through like this this decision that if if he kills his father maybe candlewick will leave him alone and stop sending killer robots after them but it also we saw our first character death uh, so the first character death of the campaign uh, actually happened uh, as a result of a personal quest and it wasn't even it wasn't even Longley's character it was somebody else on the crew who died not because of the main mission but because of like one of his friends uh, so it was a really interesting moment 
I always really like doing these character stories. They, they are kind of hard to, to weave in from time to time, especially when you have this overarching story that's really important and you're trying to stress like the big bad evil of, of the campaign. And you're like, well, now we have to do this side quest. Uh, but we definitely did that with him. And I don't always make them all like crazy. So my wife's character who plays with us, uh, I turned her, like if we were on the same planet, I turned her side quest into a Seinfeld story. Do you remember the Seinfeld episode, Justin, where, uh, where Kramer and George's dad uh, were trying to make the man's ear slash bro? Oh, absolutely, yeah. So yeah. that's what I basically did with this is I had my wife's, uh, my wife's character's father try to convince one of our players uh, to invest in what he called the Sheezies. And so there's a, there's a race called, there's a race called the Shirin. Okay. And they're like other bug people and they have ceremonial arms that aren't normally used and they're kind of hidden underneath clothing. They're kind of used in mating rituals and stuff like that. And I, in, in the campaign, for some reason, I just made it canon that those kind of sag and they're kind of uncomfortable. And so he decided with one of his Shirin friends that they were going to make a bra basically to, to reinforce it. And so the whole, that whole goofy storyline was just to try to convince them to invest uh, in this company to make these, these specialty garments. Uh, and it was all, I, you know, I based some of the characters off like off Cosmo Kramer and off, and off George, George Costanza's dad and off, and off uh, his mom as well. And so it was all kind of a fun little thing. So I think, I think character stories, like personal stories are really nice because they allow a specific player to get the spotlight. And I think it also is a nice break sometimes from the constant, the constant influx of like, this is the big, bad, evil pressure that we have going on. Uh, and they don't have to always be serious, but they can be like Sarah too, who has to end up making this tragic decision to kill his father and then see his best friend kind of killed before him. Uh, and then they can also be kind of humorous and they could be based off a Seinfeld episode too. Uh, so anyway, that's my Starfinder update for the week. Uh, tune in a couple of weeks and we'll talk about where we go from here and, and we'll talk about resurrection uh, in games. So what did they actually do when one of their one of their crew members died on them and how they tried to bring him back? So we'll talk more about that in a couple of weeks. But thanks for indulging me, Justin, and everybody else listening. Uh, and so that's my role play for the week. Good stuff. And now it's time for the gentleman's challenge. All right, so the Gentleman's Challenge is something we do on the Lollygaggers podcast every week. Uh, what it basically accounts for is our way of driving the other person mad for that week. Uh, so Justin and I both identify something that we want uh, the other to do. Uh, usually it's watch something, but it also would be play something. Uh, and then to ensure that that person has met the challenge, uh, we quiz each other in the next episode. Uh, and some of these quiz questions are fair, some of them not so fair, and we kind of keep track, uh, but really it's just all for good fun. Uh, and so this week, Justin's going to lead us off. Justin, what were you challenged to do? So yeah, you buddy. had me watch the 2000 sci-fi series Andromeda mm. starring oh, yeah. Hercules himself, Kevin yes. Sorbo. Let's just uh, call him Hercules, right? Oh, God. So <laughs> this is written by uh, written by Gene Roddenberry, which well, Roddenberry, which is Roddenberry. The, the most depressing thing about this. I don't know if it was written by him, but I think it was originally his ideas, and I think it, yeah. I think it was Michelle Barrett, Michelle Roddenberry, uh, who kind of took the ideas that he had sketched out yes. post 
posthumously, right? So like it's I think such a, it's such a horrible like way to see this man go out as this oh, awful come on. You, you see you think this show is bad. utter garbage. All right. No, I'm it, sorry. I mean it's no. so bad. All right, it's so not... let me keep on going. It's directed by uh Jorge uh Matsuri. Ma- Ma- <laughs> Good job. Matras whatever, he's probably not uh-huh. directing anything else anymore. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's hurtful. Stars that's Kevin hurtful. Sorbo as Dylan Hunt, the captain of the Andromeda Ascendant. All right. Isn't that a righteous name? I am Captain Dylan Hunt. Yeah, it's pretty great. Of the Andromeda Ascendant. Uh, basically, Andromeda Ascendant is a Covenant Warfleet ship that is like the top of its class. It's the most uh, high-tech thing of the time. They are drawn to a distress signal, and when they go to this distress signal, they are ambushed by a Nietzsche, Nietzsche war band, basically. Nietzscheans. Nietzscheans. War yeah, band. And they, this war band basically yeah. attacks them, and their only way to get away is to jettison all the crew, and he and the AI and the pilot, who we'll get to that in a second, the AI right. gets to the black hole it's very close to them they get within orbit of the black hole and they basically freeze time interestingly enough the black hole was actually red uh, yeah i thought that was kind of interesting so when it happens they're stuck in the orbit of this black hole for 300 years and to them no time has passed because within the gravity of a black hole time is irrelevant and it's just very uh uh einsteinian type of idea um so eventually a scrapper crew pulls them out of it because they think that they're going to take this uh this ship for parts and um sell it and in doing so they didn't realize that uh kevin sorbo or sorry hercules i mean dylan hunt uh was still on the (laughs) ship uh with heroic no matter which name you call him so and it's basically about them the first two episodes is about the situation where he gets stuck in the uh, black hole. The second episode is about him trying to get control of his ship back from the Marauders, and also kind of setting up the rest of the series. Right. So um, you can see why I had you watch the first two episodes, right? Because yeah, because basically the good. first episode, the first episode is the first episode, basically. Right. So it's, it yeah, sets the first up two is like the whole thing. It sets up the whole series. Yeah, it's garbage. The show is complete. Oh, trash. that's just. It's terrible. Listen. Not this came terrible. out. It is. Listen. It came out in the year two thousand. All right. It this did. is one year after Farscape. Okay. I know. Oh, and I know Farscape. The, oh, the difference favorites. in quality is it's Jim Henson. Shocking. Well, Those, the company. The 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 costumes, and the uh, different designs that they have in this show are so bad. It's yeah. It's terrible. Listen, the, listen. I will grant you that. The CGI, awful. It's worse Costume, than like a video game awful. from back then. Puppetry and whatnot, awful. Yeah. Acting, awful. Uh-huh. I, I, I totally agree. All those things are absolutely awful. It was two but hours of my wife, of life, and I'm never getting back. But there's two things that you're not really appreciating. One, Kevin Sorbo's I hair. Some of, I think some of the sci-fi ideas are kind of cool, uh, even if they're poorly executed. Uh, and yeah. also. Kevin Sorbo is in it. Like, I really sure. think you're undervaluing his this, presence. This TV this show. show ruined the Hercules legacy for me. What? I, I loved Hercules as a kid. 
It I love Hercules. And now this... The only thing that would have made it better is if Eolus was on the show. God, it's so bad. Yeah. It's just... Uh, so, like, right off the bat, you get, you get like, exposed to the quality of show it is. First off, CGI, it's like someone farted on the screen. It's so it's bad. Like, it's like a bad... It's like the Wing Commander video yes, game from, like, from the 1992. <laughs> that played on that DOS. Ago, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like... Uh, that scene, like the early scene where he jumps down the uh, ladder and like he shows his love, yeah, his little levitation thing. It's just like, yeah. first off, he could have killed at least three people on the way down that ladder. I know, right? Anyone who there. like pops their head into the they're ladder, they're dead. They're dead. They're gone. And then on yeah, top of that, like out. the special effects are like, I feel like I could have made that, and I don't sure. have no idea how to do it. So I'm not sure if you noticed this, uh, but you know, with like retail stores, like an Office Depot or or like a. Uh, like an office max or something like that when they're trying to get something off the top shelf like in an aisle and yeah yeah, yeah. It's got like a they have to wheel over the stair the top yeah yeah that was on this ship i don't remember like they had that. that it was in the background at once and i thought about doing a quiz question about it but like it was it was <laughs> not sucked. really a focus and that was a really mean oh, question God. so <laughs> but it was there and i was just like this is the most advanced ship and it has like a billion nuclear warheads and they have one of those things on wheels they and then they have steps. like inertial dampening problems right and like i don't think that's 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 appropriate to be on the ship it the costumes are terrible the bat creature looks like he has a lady part on his face um it's so bad all yeah. of the the like prosthetics look like someone just shaved somebody's head and just pasted it on there with elmer's glue it's so bad that one creature that had that had like a blue head with horns that was like a pilot or something or or manning one of the guns terrible it's just, oh yeah 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 from the very beginning the yeah. the rat creature looked just yeah. terrible it's so okay. bad that show went for five seasons yeah five seasons some people can look past, you know, aesthetics. Firefly went for one substance. barely. That that's what well, blows my mind. Man, it was on Fox, so what are you gonna do? What was this song? Was it on UPN? It might have been. I don't really know. Is, Were you supposed to research it? Come on, it's I your, think it was UPN because I remember seeing it. Like it's so terrible. It's I'm never getting that time back in my life. And I can't uh, forgive you be... for what you've done to me. WGN, it's syndication, so oh WGN maybe and sci-fi. I think it was picked up sci-fi channel at some point. It's just the worst. And all like right, they, they, right. they clearly are stealing from uh Farscape. Instead of having a blue girl, they had a purple girl. Right? Yeah, because <laughs> Farscape's the first science fiction movie or show that has used it's literally a woman year after who had Farscape. different colored yeah. Because you know, Twi'leks and Star Wars weren't well, you know, different colors. All right, questions? let's get to your quiz. You ready? I'm going to start with some easy ones, some quantifiable ones before we get into the short okay. portion of this quiz. Uh, so uh, you called, uh, you didn't call the entire organization proper. It's called the Commonwealth. That's not the, Sorry, the, That's not the question. Sorry, okay. Yeah. Here's my question. How many galaxies did the Commonwealth spread across when it was at the height of its power? Uh, so number. 500? That is incorrect. Uh, uh, three. three. Three galaxies. galaxies. All right. Well, three that's galaxies. Close. That's, I should at least get some, some points for being within the ballpark, right? So Sure. 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 Okay. okay. All right. <laughs> the premise of the show 
is that Kevin Sorbo falls into a wormhole and comes out 300 years later with the Commonwealth, which he served, no longer ruling. Uh-huh. What is that time called? What is that time card with with, with the Commonwealth fallen? What is that Wasn't called? Wasn't it the Tribe Wars? Oh, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. It's called the Long Night. Oh. I thought I thought that would be a great question oh my because God, you're talking about Wolverine, with the Wolverine Long thing. Night podcast. Oh my God! Oh, oh my God! Oh my God! <laughs> All right, so I'm two for two. <laughs> So, wait, you're over two. No, no, no. Okay, yeah. all right. This one's a really hard one. I'm, I, you're probably not going to get this one, but I'll give it. I'll give it a go. Because uh, if you couldn't get those two, I'll worry about oh, these. No. Those right. are the softballs. What did the salvage crew that was coming to retrieve the Andromeda plan to do with their profits? Um. What were they going to do? With all right. Their so one of them job? was going to. Uh, the the bat character was going to put a hospital on a planet. Excellent, that's that, correct. That's one. His people ravaged. Mm-hmm. The engineer was going to take it and uh, basically live a life of leisure. Um, yes, like go yes. to like a planet where he can like. He was going to basically blow it on on booze and hookers. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, yeah. And then the female was going to use it. For a more virtuous reason, I forget exactly what it was. I think it was like mm-hmm. she was going to use it to help uh, supply money for some type of resistance or something. Well, hers was more uh, sort of it's sort of. She's also going to pay off loans and stuff. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you partial credit on that. You got most of it. Two out of three she tells me. Uh, yeah, pretty good. You got pretty good. That was pretty good. That was pretty yeah. good. Uh, I was paying Harper attention to that part. is the name of the engineer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rev Bem is the name uh, of the Bat character. And Becca uh, is the, the captain. And I can't believe Becca I didn't remember Valentine. those names. It was such a good You're show. so negative. Uh, okay, Ugh. here we go. Here we go. So, three more. There were two rat-like characters in these episodes. Uh-huh. Not to be confused with the bat-like character. Yeah, obviously. Okay? Now, what was the name of their race? And more importantly... Which of those two rat-like characters had the better outfit? And I need you to explain your answer. All right. So I don't remember the race. However, the one that looked like he was part of a gay bar was way better. Because he well, had like a biker outfit on. Yeah. I, I said it looked like the – it kind of looked like the – what's it called? Um, um, uh, slave from uh, from South Park. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. He had that kind of outfit on. Yeah. Yeah. It was like that was one. Slave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other was, one looked like a pimp. But I like the yes. one that was Mr. Slave better, way better. Oh, ah. Hmm. All right, I'm going to give you partial credit for that. I'm going to give you partial credit for that. <laughs> you didn't know the like, name. That guy looks like he's going to a gay bar. What is he doing? Well, I mean, I think, I don't think that's what you always wear to a gay bar. I think that's just like the crazy one of the stereotype. Things. Yeah, sure. Uh, okay, but uh, the, the name of the race, by the way, was Night Cider. Okay, my bad. Okay. I didn't know that one. All right, so partial credit. Of the three stock mercenary characters that were serving Tyr Anasazi, which one was the most ridiculous? And this is a multiple choice, so I will, I will explain them to you. There was the cyborg woman who once kicked Kevin Sorbo like 50 feet down a hallway. Uh-huh, uh-huh. There, there was the fat mercenary whose voice seemed to be dubbed and he sounded really, yeah. really loud and gruff. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> or the one guy who really wasn't in it much, but at the very end, uh, he's the guy whose muscles looked like they hadn't evolved quite right. Like he, like he skipped leg day like all the time, yeah. and he only had only had shoulder strength. 
Uh, and he he's the one who convinced the cyborg woman to join him on the life pod uh, in the you know. And then they get, they get sucked uh, into the black hole. Yeah. So it's multiple choice. Which one of those? So which one's the most ridiculous? Which one's the most ridiculous? And he obviously explain. It's the guy who's dubbed and also who looks like his arms are just he, all he did was uh, arm day because his his head was so small and his arms were so big and veiny, but like they mm-hmm. weren't like cut veiny. They were like, oh my mm-hmm. god, this guy's got hypertension veiny. I'm worried about him. Yeah, see, you, you merge two characters together there, Justin. He was he it? was dubbed too. I, from what I remember, he's going to the pod. He's like, the, mm. you should follow me too. Like he was really weirdly sounding. Okay. So like, all right, all right. You made a choice, and that's fine. And and uh, but I'm gonna have to go ahead and give you partial credit again. Partial credit. It's a lot okay. of partial credits for you today. All right. all right. Final question. Okay. There is a correct answer to this. Okay. Regarding the fight scenes and the the choreography of those fight scenes, mm-hmm. how would you rate them? Great fight scenes or greatest fight scenes? Oh, man, this really separates the men from the boys. Uh, Because there was that one where time was slowing down. And Kevin Sorbo was clearly hanging on wires as he was spinning in a... a, Also, a lot of karate chops. uh, A lot of karate chops. So many. Um, Extendable rods. Um, Yep. Those things are pretty cool, I think. Lots of wire works for that show. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to have to say... It's on tier with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon for the wow. greatest fight scenes of all time. Oh, that was a wonderful reference. Unfortunately, that's incorrect. Uh, we, we talked about this last week, that the greatest fight scene oh, was you're right. Live. So clear. Come on, I Justin. These aren't up. difficult questions. I I, I, like, even, it's like Jeopardy. Even if you don't know the answer, sometimes the clue has a little bit of a, yeah. a little bit of a hint, you know? I feel like you yeah, get a partial credit on that one, too, because my You do not get any partial credit whatsoever. That was either... Okay, either well, I'll, tell, I'll have to go with that. You, you're right, you're okay. right. They live had such a great... Right. I mean, he did knee him in the balls, like, five times. So sure, was great. sure. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right, so my turn. All right, Justin, uh, because for some reason, Justin likes to use me as a test balloon on whether he should watch certain movies on Netflix. I don't know why you do this. Uh, but Justin had me watch uh, a movie that came up on uh, Netflix called Revolt. It is a 2017 sci-fi action movie. It stars the pie maker, Lee Pace, from Pushing Daisies. Um, but more he's recently, you probably... Ronan he's also who? He's Ronan from Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. Everyone knows from there. He's also from uh, AMC's Halt and Catch Fire, uh, which was like a three-season three show that just finished up a couple months back. Uh, so the movie takes place mostly in Kenya, uh, where Pace's military unit seems to be, at the start of the movie, battling against these really large, mysterious robots that seem to be killing folks for reasons unknown. Uh, and in that opening battle, he he kind of gets knocked down and takes a wicked blow to the head. And then he wakes up a whole scene later in a jail cell, uh, still in Kenya, uh, with no memory of who he is, and in in that jail cell, in that jail, he meets Nadia, who's in the cell, uh, who's in the, the neighboring cell, uh, and she's a French doctor, of course she is. Uh, and the two of them manage to get out of the get out of the the, the actual jail cell after um, these I don't know gangs or warlord people kind of come in and, and and start doing bad some bad things, uh, but apparently they escape uh, and and. Pace's character, who who takes on the name Bo because like there's a little piece of his shirt that says Bo, and they don't really know what to call him. So the guy would just call him Bo because he's got some weird electrical skill where he just like shoots electricity or he can funnel electricity somehow. 
So anyway, the two of them, Bo and Nadia, begin kind of this long trek uh, to the border. They're trying to get to a, a U.S. military base that they refer to as the Dish, uh, because Bo has like a like a tattoo of it. And along the way, they encounter other stragglers, and they get in a bunch of fights and more robots and stuff like that. They learn that the robot attack is apparently global, uh, but and they're just trying to survive. More thing happens. More things happen. There's like more robots. There's bigger robots. There's crab robots. There's some solid action scenes. There's this weird plan with an EMP bomb that didn't really make sense. There's a dumb chase scene with some random classic American car where the uh, where the steering wheel's on the wrong side. Uh, but there were no pies uh, in the movie. So yeah. So that's Revolt. Uh, what did I think of it? Uh, it was it was fine. What did you like, think of this movie? It was it was fine. Like I don't think it was good. Um, I don't think it was terrible. It, uh, some of the CGI was pretty iffy. Like there are times when some of the robots looked good, and there are times when the, some of the robots looked bad. Like it, 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 I don't think it was very consistent. I feel um, like the robots and, were basically someone's art piece that someone was like, "Hey, that's like a robot." We I thought the make cra- a movie out of it. I thought the crab robots that started coming in towards the end, once they got to a city, um, was was better but like the main robots that you they fought throughout the most of the way they looked weird they looked like some kind someone like wanted to take like a, a rooster and make a <laughs> robot out of it and then put human legs on it and they're like here here we go we got a, a rooster human robot hybrid thingy um I, yeah you know how we complained with the titan how it was like really good kind of for two two acts and then it just completely fell on its face on yeah. the third act this one was just never really good like, <laughs> So it got bad at the first act. I want to say it, but I want to, I want to, to its credit, it was never really bad either. Like, I never was like, oh my God, this is awful. I was just always just like, yeah, okay. Uh Uh-huh. All right. Okay. Yep. yep, That was a scene. And that that was was a scene. It wasn't terrible. Like, it wasn't terrible. Wasn't good. Those were ideas. Wasn't terrible. It was very, I thought it was a very mediocre movie. Um, I didn't, I honestly feel like Lee Pace just probably shouldn't have been cast in that movie i just didn't i don't know i never bought him he didn't really he didn't it didn't really make sense to me even though his eyes are beautiful and a few times we looked at him in the eyes i'm like his eyebrows you know if i you know if i were on pushing daisies i would fall in love with you right now but it seems really inappropriate for this like kenyan war-torn scene right now to to fall in love with you even though you know some of that kind of happens uh it felt kind of out of place um but it was okay I, i i can't really recommend it like if you're if you're completely out of stuff to watch on Netflix and you've watched like every other robot action movie ever, then sure, give it a try. <laughs> if you've uh, watched every robot movie ever, I give just, Revolt a try. It's just, yeah, it's not a movie. I didn't, I didn't hate it. Like, I, I, I just want to stress that. Like, I did, it didn't make me mad. I wasn't like, oh man, I'm wasting my time here. It, it was, it clipped pretty well. It was an hour and twenty seven minutes. The pace was good. It never felt super slow. I thought the end was a little bit weird there are some there are some sequences towards the end i wouldn't say it was like terrible but the end was kind of strange um it had some decent setup and you know i thought the woman who played nadia was really good uh but overall like it was so badass all the time it was a meh you know it was like a you know like a like a five or a six out of ten type of movie you know like like i'm not gonna it's not i'm not gonna trash it because it's terrible but i'm also not gonna like sing its praises like it, it, it to me it's very forgettable it's a movie that it's like i said this about boss baby too like it's just a movie that i'm just gonna forget about like i'm it's not really gonna stick with me for a long period of time because there was nothing really crazy and bad about it and there was nothing really crazy and good about it like it was just sort of sort of there. it was there it was a it was a movie and that's that yeah it was 150 minutes long 
really long. Uh, it was an hour and 27 minutes. That's, that's not particularly long. Considering that you made me watch a two-hour and fifteen-minute movie the week prior that I had to read the whole time, this one was this one was a yeah. breeze. Yeah. So I got what some questions got for, for you. Let's do it. Uh, you actually named one of these already. The first question was, "Why is Lee's name Bo?" Yeah, it's on his. It's on his shirt. It's on like uh, so. Yeah. Like, there's a part of his shirt that's torn up, and the words "Bo" are there. Get it, Bo? <laughs> uh, and so they call him Bo. Yeah. Yeah. So you got that one. So that one's good. Cool. Uh, why was the female so good with guns and uh, all that stuff? Why she's like a she's a doctor, but why is that doctor so good with guns? That's my question. Uh, well, she's she's worked with the military prior, like, and so every now and then she had a quote something like, you know, every now and then you have to like pick up a gun and learn to defend yourself or something like that. Well, uh, so. I, I guess I I'll give this. it to you. She worked. Okay. She was a medic for the French army. Right, yeah. So, like she was, yeah. she was in it, and like they, they, she had a, she had a phrase, something about like every now and then you gotta pick up a gun and something. Something super badass because she's super badass at all. Times. I liked her. I thought her character is actually kind of good. I thought, I thought she was pretty solid. So that that was that one. Uh, next one is according to the photograph to the photographer, what was the shot of a lifetime? Uh, the was it the little boy throwing a rock at the robot? That That's was like right. the unifying That's absolutely thing. Absolutely right. It was the shot yeah. of a lifetime. It was the boy, sh- and then he does it at yeah. the end of the movie, right? Yeah. He unifies. By all the way, the that's Jason Fleming, who is from, who was in Snatch. By the way, yeah, he was, he was. one. He, he was, was one of the gypsy friends of uh, Brad Pitt's yeah. character. Yeah. Last question is, from uh, a scale of ten to ten, how <laughs> boring was this movie? A scale of ten to ten, I it was ten. This movie was so friggin' boring. I didn't like. It wasn't. There's nothing in it to me that was exciting. The only Let thing... me put it this way: I had my phone out and I was looking through Reddit a lot. Like, <laughs> it's so right? boring. And even though like the plots made it as a device to make it seem like it's scene after scene after scene after scene, right? Like they're moving along, and they have to try and get to this location, trying to get to. It just felt like it was being made by a sloth. It's so slow. It's just like, I didn't oh find it God. slow. I thought it moved at a perfectly fine clip. I just didn't think a whole lot happened in it, and I felt like the story was kind of obvious. Yeah, like nothing like the like the twists that happened. I'm like, well, duh, and like, oh, hey, look, that happened. I'm duh. trying you know, to I find. Kind of I'm trying to find that wheelhouse of ruining your day. I found one already. It was Full Metal Alchemist, right? Because no, I mean, I actually. I, Look, I thought Full Metal Out. I love the story of Full Metal Alchemist. I just didn't like the movie. I'm yeah, wondering that's, if that's I would like like the anime better. Like, yeah, I, thought the, anime. I thought the story was great. I just thought the movie was tr- kind of stupid at times. Yeah. You so, watched right. literally the worst version of that. Yes. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Right, so, so it's only up from there. New challenges. Okay. I'm right, ready I to guess, go and I, so I'll excited. Go, I'll go first. Okay. okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was scrolling through Netflix. I'm trying to think, how can I ruin Jeff's day? What can sure. I do? Because this Andromeda made me angry. Made me physically angry. So I got to find... You, man. I, gotta I told find, you the text. Gloves are off, buddy. I got to find Gloves something that I feel like is going to make his head explode with okay. ridiculousness. So, scrolling sure. through, scrolling through, and I saw it. And I okay. hope you haven't seen it, which I don't think you have. I would like I you to watch... I watch a lot. The 2008 classic... Speed oh, Racer. Speed Racer, Matt. Uh, Speed. And that's uh, Emil Hirsch. Uh-huh. Is that 
Emil Hirsch. Yeah. Okay. So I, it looks. I don't like... think I've ever watched it all the way through, but I have caught very short glimpses of it. It looks like TV vomit for the eyes. Like, no, thank you. Yeah. Yes, it looks like it's going to make your head explode. Okay. So all right. I want your old man brain to really try and process all those colors. Old man brain. Man, that's mean. All right, there. That's mean. I want you, you share a brain, so you're old too. So you're I am old. Right. Okay. That's you. All right. So, Justin, as you know, um, I play a little game with myself when I come up with these uh-huh. uh, challenges for you. I like to do them in trilogies. Okay. The first trilogy began with our test episodes that haven't been released. And I started with uh, the first trilogy was CBS summer TV shows that Which are I'll absolutely terrible for. and high concept. Right. So, Under the Dome, Zoo, and uh, was, the, was the third one? It was, I hated the third one. It's the one that's on right now. We're like, yeah, it's where the, it's where an Ascension asteroid, like Salvation. There we go. Salvation. Salvation. Got it. Salvation. And the second one was 1980s movies. Amazing movies, right? Ending with They Live. Now, I'm not going to tell you what the third one is, but I'm just going to tell you that the third one, there is a, there's a connecting theme. What I would like you to do, Justin, you think you're, you think you're so much better than me, but I think I'm going to win this one again. I would like you to watch the first two episodes once again. Okay. Of the TV show, Earth, Final Conflict from 1998. Thank you. Earth, Final Conflict. Yes, you haven't even heard of it. I know. That's Is it the one where it's this. like uh, alien people with like spotted heads? No. Oh. No. That's no. something but, else. Uh, it's got a similar story to that, but no, that's not it. When it, I'm reading this, you can find it on Amazon Prime. When an advanced alien species, species, the Talons, comes to Earth in the early 21st century on a seemingly peaceful mission to share their knowledge and technology with humanity, they choose courageous police captain William Boone and his partner, Captain Lily Marquette, to be the protectors of their elected companion to mankind. Have fun. First two episodes. First two episodes. It can't be any worse than what I just saw with Hercules. Yes, it can. Holy (laughs) moly. So bad. Well, I hope your eyeballs explode from that movie. So you have that, and I'll have this terrible 90s uh, sci-fi to watch. All right, buddy. Uh, We've been going on for, oh, my God. This is like our longest episode yet. We got to figure this stuff out. So uh, I think it's time we we, we shut things down. Okay, so listen, folks. uh, So far, uh, we have... We have accrued a very small, very loyal audience base of our our wives and our immediate friends. Uh, So if you're interested in listening to us, uh, you can find us on a lot of different places right now. We're on Stitcher, and we are up on iTunes now, so you're welcome to find us there. Uh, Feel free to give us a review, even if it's a terrible one. That's fine. Uh, Give us a review. Uh, You can find us online on Twitter. I'm usually running the Twitter. Sometimes uh, my wife actually, uh, the Twitter, look at me, maybe I am old. So I'm usually running the Twitter. And sometimes my wife uh, hops in, but uh, at Lollygagger Co. Uh, you can also find us uh, online at Lollygagger Co. Excuse me, Lollygagger uh, Plus, Justin is a professional streamer. Uh, does this? Uh, this is this is how he pays the bills. Very small, you know, uh, bills that don't really cost a whole lot of money. Yeah, uh, where uh, can I find you, Justin? I'm actually taking a little bit of a hiatus right now because football is starting up. So it's kind of oh. hard for me to do this and tutoring and football. Well, uh, but when I we am get on back Twitch. into our Montana. We'll start streaming yeah. our Montana days again. Twitch.tv slash Jehufa. That's J H O O F A H. That one I did not read that time, so I would know that. I'm uh, proud of you. 
but you uh, now know your address. Uh, I'm taking a little bit of a break from it. When when spring football is over, I'll get back into it pretty hard, especially in the summer. But right now, I'm just it's hard to kind of do everything all at once right now. But sure, yeah, sure, sure, sure. So yeah. All right, man. So I think with that on that note, it's about time to thank the wonderful people out here that help make this Lollygaggers episode so special. Yeah. Uh, so Justin, I would first like to thank the IT folks uh, in my college district scheduling office. They deleted my fall 2018 classes on the same day I was having my annual renewal meeting uh, with the administration. So for about three to four hours, I thought I was Milton from Office Space suffering through an extraordinarily passive aggressive termination of contract moment. Uh, so IT folks, thank you. I'd like to thank uh, the UCF login procedures. I uh, had to get my transcripts done for uh, uh, a certain program I'm going through right now. And it took about 12 emails to find my password and login information. I mentioned that to you my transcript. So I want to thank you, UCF, for making it just so that that just that complicated, so that it makes it that hard for me to do things in my life. All right, to the woman during my Super Troopers 2 viewing who was sitting about eight seats away from my wife, she and I were the only person, only people who laughed at the enhanced jokes. You're one of us. Oh God, I totally thank you. forgot about that. Uh, finally, I'd like to thank, this is like a legitimate thank you. Uh, my friend Crutch, uh, he told me today we were, uh, I was playing God of War, he saw me playing God of War online, and he sent me some text messages telling me that he's been downloading our podcast i want to give a nice big shout out uh to crutch hopefully you listen to this and uh know that i love you man thank you <laughs>